Hey, huge thank you for joining us. Jay, how's it going, man? Thanks, John. It's going great. Glad to be back. Um, happy to talk about a new topic here with you. We haven't we haven't done this yet, so it's going to be fun. Yeah. Did you get a lot of follow-through on the stuff we did with Klaus Schwab? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think we've got a few thousand subscribers out of that. We get a lot of uh, a lot of good comments. So really, <clears throat> really thankful to you. Really happy to be back. Oh, it's good to hear it. And where do you want to start then with the Vatican? Well, I think um, first thing that comes to mind about the Vatican is that the Vatican is uh, the world's oldest intelligence agency. A lot of people don't know that. They might think of the CIA or the NSA or something like that or MI6 when they think about intelligence agencies. But really, it's the Vatican that's been there for the longest that's been involved in this game. And if we go back to the uh, early Middle Ages, there was this time period when in, in early Christianity, there was a shift where the the when the Roman Empire fell uh, to the Visigoths, you had the rise of the papal, what's called the papal states. And this was the idea that the uh, Vatican could fill that cultural gap that was missing uh, now that the Roman Empire had collapsed. <clears throat> so this gave the opportunity for a lot of political power. And although that was kind of contrary to previous Christian uh, teaching and doctrine, the Vatican backed this up with a document known as the Donation of Constantine, which is a famous forgery. So we start to begin to see the capitulating to and the desire for a lot of <clears throat> political and geopolitical power. And this gets even stronger by the time of the early Middle Ages when we come to the what was called the Carolinian period with Charlemagne. Charlemagne <clears throat> wants to uh, have his own control over the Western Empire. There's already a Byzantine Empire in the East. And so Charlemagne gets the uh, Pope at that time to crown him the emperor of the west and after that we begin to have a lot more geopolitical influence in the vatican and then by the time of the uh, renaissance period the middle eight, uh, the early the late middle ages we get a lot of uh, really corrupt popes a lot of nepotism we get uh, the borgias we get medicis we get alexander the sixth who were very famous for their uh, corruption and their spy craft and all the above uh, and then by the <clears throat> time of the uh, rise of the Jesuit order, we get a whole new uh, element of what you could call, I guess, a, a kind of intelligence, international intelligence, intelligence agency works directly uh, and uh, answers only to the Pope. So this creates an atmosphere where there's just tremendous power, the tremendous wealth, and tremendous opportunity for corruption. And we begin to have these entities known as the Vatican Bank, which uh, the Rothschilds are actually in the 1700s, the official bankers of the Vatican. But that Vatican hadn't yet created its own specific uh, institution. That comes later in the 20th century, <clears throat> known as what we call the Vatican Bank. So that brings us up to the 20th century, where we get really deep corruption that begins to be public through a lot of scandals. And by the time of the Cold War, these scandals are, are <clears throat> just sort of hinted at. But there's really this giant underground of a huge network that uh, gets exposed. It's known uh, in a lot of writings as Operation Gladio. And Gladio is really just this uh, <clears throat> alliance between organized crime uh, or the, the Italian Sicilian Mafia, the CIA, and the Vatican. And <clears throat> that's what leads to a lot of the corruption on a massive global scale that we know about today. And it's all tied into the Vatican Bank, and it's all tied into these characters who uh, had aligned themselves with the CIA for the purpose of winning the Cold War. 
And that doesn't mean that I think communism or socialism are good. But the problem is that when you make yourself an alliance with this behemoth in uh, the West of, you know, MI6, CIA, <clears throat> Mossad, all these, all these agencies, you're aligned with them. Now you have new masters. And these new masters are going to say, for example, what you're going to put into the documents of Vatican II. And that's exactly what they did. They started to change the, the theology to make the Vatican into essentially at that time, the time of the Cold War and the time of Vatican II, um, <clears throat> what they called a, a, a form of soft power or an NGO. So basically the, the CIA wanted to make the Vatican into this entity that would that would project Americanism throughout the world and they had to sign off the Vatican had to basically sign off on certain deals to uh to allow that to be the case to help them win the cold war a lot of money was was channeled through opus day and through uh, the Vatican bank from the CIA directly if <clears throat> the west if the CIA would help for example in Italy uh the italian parties and the, the fascist parties win uh, against the uh the communists and the socialists in elections now again i'm not pro-communist or anything like that but i'm just pointing out that when you make these kinds of deals you take on new masters and these new masters will exact a heavy price and we fast forward all the way up to now um, part of the reason that benedict stepped down who was not some kind of arch conservative he was actually pretty liberal himself the reason he was he stepped down is because this inner inner international network that has all this blackmail via all of the uh, intelligence apparatus, uh, uh, this, you know, functions that they have at their disposal. That's who's really telling the Vatican what to do. And, and Francis really represents that force, uh, totally as somebody who in <clears throat> his time as, uh, uh, the Cardinal or excuse me, Archbishop, he was an Archbishop, uh, who openly worked with Gladio and the CIA back during the cold war in Latin South America. So, um, that's who we're dealing with is, is a giant institution that has been essentially co-opted by the powers that are the same powers behind Klaus in the World Economic Forum. In fact, Klaus had as his mentor uh, one of uh, Pope Francis's close confidants. If you've got any questions for Jay, please put them in the chat or wherever you're watching this, Facebook, Twitter, etc. And we will get them to him. I'm sure there's going to be tons of questions on this. I've got tons as well, but I'll, I'll let the viewers get in there first. So Tooth wants to know the connections between the Vatican and the Habsburgs. Uh, that's a good question. That goes back to, um, <clears throat> uh, so at the, at the turn of the century, last century, there was a, an interesting case where the uh, Austro-Hungarian emperor had the ability to, the old the papacy had given to that, that monarch a long time ago, the ability to veto anybody elected to the papacy. And there was this famous story of the <clears throat> case of uh, a, a cardinal who was a member of a satanic sect, Cardinal uh, Bilo, I think was his name, if I'm going, if I remember correctly. And he was part of Crowley's OTO, and he was about to be elected uh, pope. And the Habsburgs uh, that they, they had given this uh, veto power, uh, or the pope had given this veto power to the Habsburgs, and the uh, the uh, emperor at that time vetoed the election of one of the satanic <laughs> uh, members, but that it only put, it only postponed it because a lot of those uh, secret society networks, especially people in the P2, which was the Italian <clears throat> um, uh, Sicilian mafia controlled by Licio Gelli uh, individual uh, who ran the, the uh, organized crime networks in Italy. He was a uh, NATO connected guy, CIA connected guy. 
And so, in other words, at that time, the Masons had basically effectively taken over uh, Italy, the government, and the papacy by that time. So by the 1960s, they had they'd achieved what was previously uh, banned. But um, yeah, beyond that, I don't know a whole lot of the history of specifically the Habsburg dynasty. I just know that they did play a key role in vetoing um, one of the elections of uh, one of the more nasty figures in the Vatican. Ray J wants to know if you can tell us more about the the P2. Yeah. So basically um, during the cold war, you had this idea that was cooked up by <clears throat> lucky Luciano, um, Bill Donovan, James Jesus Angleton, uh, and a couple other intelligence figures that they could <clears throat> find a new way to organize what they called stay behind units that would stave off any kind of Soviet or communist aggression via the Soviet Union during the Cold War. So after uh, World War II, the idea was there was still this no, this new threat because the West had made an alliance with Russia with with Sovietism that the Soviets might take over Europe. And so they cooked up cooked up an idea that they would have to fund a lot of these the secret army basically uh, throughout Europe. Um, but they couldn't do it openly. So how could they fund this this massive exercise, train all of these people? And that, so they decided they would have to do it covertly. And they made an alliance with the uh, chief uh, uh, organized crime figures in Italy, the Sicilian Mafia. The head of those uh, guys was a guy by the name of uh, Michel Sindona, and he was basically the chief uh, financial criminal uh, organized crime figure throughout all of Italy. And they found another figure who was a uh, underworld figure by the name of Licio Gelli. And Licio Gelli is who was the basically the Masonic Pope of Italy. They put him over all of the lodges that were known as what we call P2 lodges. And these are lodges that were just set up and uh, to, to recruit fascists and uh, people who had affinities for tiny mustache men and uh, Mussolini. And um, you might think, well, but but masonry was was banned by Mussolini. Yeah, but in the wake of the victory of the allies, the, there was, a, there was an, uh, the ability to have a resurgence here. And so <clears throat> the mafia, the CIA, they had meetings, they met together uh, in different conferences at uh, different hotels uh, back in the 1950s to cook up this plan to not just fund, but also train people to be part of these uh, uh, what are called Gladio uh, stay behind unit secret army network. So they used the P2 lodges to do that. And in fact, a huge portion of the Vatican Curia had already been uh, initiated into those kinds of lodges in the 1950s and 60s. So there was already a, a network there uh, of Freemasonic individuals. And so the, the Freemasonic lodges really just became a kind of a, uh, a way to network and to train and to do covert operations. And the CIA was 100% behind that. And amazingly, I, I just read this the other day, like all, nobody knew about this until the 1990s. So I've been reading two really good books on this. Uh, there's the Paul Williams book and there, he's, he's a Catholic. So he's not, he's not anti-Catholic. He's writing as a Catholic. And then there's the Daniel Ganser's uh, uh, PhD thesis on NATO's secret armies. But so that's, that's how P2 plays into this as basically a uh, organized crime banking and <laughs> terror training uh, lodge. And so they were actually just training people in techniques of terror. And there was throughout the night, throughout the cold war in Europe, they basically engaged in dozens of false flag operations and they would blame it on whoever they needed to blame it on. So Karen wants to know more about the CIA and the relationship with the Catholics. So 
in the 1940s, uh, early 40s, you had the idea that British intelligence cooked up to uh, help the, the U.S. create its own inner uh, secret government pattern on the style of <clears throat> intelligence operations that the British Empire had. And so they sent these figures over like Ian Fleming and William Stevenson <clears throat> and Noel Coward and Roald Dahl. And they all talked to Bill Donovan and explained him how to create this kind of inner secret government. Uh, again, pot- uh, p- patterned after the SIS in Britain. And so <clears throat> um, the president was on with it, uh, on board with it. This, they, they put all this money into it and they realized that they were going to have to recruit uh, at that time. It was still during you know World War II era. They recruited a lot of people to work in what they call the OSS, the, uh, uh, which would do a lot of foreign operations against uh, Nazi networks, uh, Hitler and so forth. Uh, and they even recruited that at that time, quite a few priests. So there were Roman Catholic priests. Uh, I was just reading about one named Father Felix Morleon, who set up a lot of networks that were connected to the Knights of Malta. Um, these basically became uh, organizations aligned with the CIA and the OSS during this time period. So then this this grew and they saw the ability and the power and the success they could have with this. That and it was it was so uh, successful that they even set up entire monasteries that were basically OSS fronts uh, during this time period. So this uh, grew and then the CIA cooked up this idea. There's a great book on this. It's called uh, <clears throat> John Courtney Murray, Time Life Magazine, the American Proposition, how the CIA's doctrinal warfare program changed the Catholic church. There's a guy in the CIA, CIA named CD Jackson. He came up with this idea, what he called the doctrinal warfare program. And the doctrinal warfare program was the, what I'd mentioned earlier, the attempt at co-opting and turning the Roman Catholic church into an institution of Americanism and Henry Luce of time magazine, who was a big skull and bones guy. This is really where the OSS and the CIA come from is the skull and bones, Yale, Harvard networks of the Eastern seaboard elite in the U S they, they figured out that they could, rather than trying to change the, the Roman Catholic church from the top down, they could begin to infiltrate it with a lot of CIA and OSS operatives. And one of those key figures was John Courtney Murray, the most famous Jesuit, probably the 20th century, and a lot of other Jesuits. And so the CIA started, they would give money to Jesuit universities. And this is why we see nowadays so many of these, these famous American Jesuit Catholic universities. They're they're so involved in a lot of this corruption. They're so involved in foreign operations, like in the Ukraine, the Jesuits played a key, huge role in all the stuff that's going on in the Ukraine, for example. Because Jesuit universities are essentially aligned with uh, the CIA out of this Cold War stuff. So basically Vatican II, a lot of the documents of Vatican II were altered to favor this Americanist view of, again, what's called soft power, where soft power is just uh, projecting uh, your power through non-military means, such as culture, such as economy. Uh, so the, obviously the church would be a key uh, uh, a component in doing that. But the the dark side of this is that this led to a lot of blackmail and a lot of compromise. So a lot of these important prelates, even popes, they eventually get blackmailed by these intelligence networks. And so whenever there's there's straying from what the uh, script of the global elite in the West want, then all the, the information comes out. Then you get all these leaks. So, oh, look at all the pedo priests. Now, I'm not saying that that's a good thing that there's pedo priests, obviously, that, that but that's how this works. So they compromise to control as well as kind of pushing these people into fostering uh, you know, the Western intelligence apparatuses and that, uh, uh, ideals and goals. We've got a question from Andrej. How much influence does the Vatican have in Scandinavia? 
I have no idea. <laughs> Good question. Well, from talking to Kevin Annette, Andrej, he said that, you know, the Vatican had a stronghold on Europe, but the influence has deteriorated and the Vatican has targeted some of the less developed countries of the world for the growth of the numbers of people who are attending the churches. So I imagine that it has gone down. The influence has gone down in Scandinavia from what Kevin Annette said. Yeah, I would say throughout Europe. I mean, if there, there's a lot of studies, like Pew Research has these studies that you can look at, at the vast decline in everything Roman Catholic in Europe in the last uh, 70 years since Vatican II. So there was already, I guess, uh, actually the early uh, 1900s, there was kind of a rise. Catholicism was on the rise. And then with the advent of Vatican II, you had this revolution in the Roman Catholic Church, which made it much more Protestant and liberalized it, so to speak. And that didn't have a positive effect. It had a very uh, collapsing negative effect. And that's particularly this period when uh, between John the 20, Pius Twelfth, John the 23rd, and Paul the Sixth, those are the popes prior to and during Vatican II, um, that's when the CIA really ramped up its operations to make sure that the Vatican didn't side. They, they were worried at times that the Vatican might side with or have positive relationships with the Soviets or the communists. For example, John the 23rd was known as the pink Pope because they thought he might be going in the direction of Sovietism. And he wrote a famous encyclical called uh, Pachim and Terras, which basically calls for global government, this kind of stuff, global economic institutions. Um, they were really, the CIA became really worried about that. So they made sure to um, <coughs> uh, make alliances with Paul the sixth. And they really helped him out and set him up with a lot of money via the uh, black funding from through the Vatican bank. So this assured them that, um, that the, the Vatican would be, uh, on the side of the CIA and the key figure here is Jean Paul II, because even the, the people who write as a, a apologist for this, like there's a, a, a former intelligence guy, he's probably CIA, his name is John Kohler. Um, and he wrote spies in the Vatican. And even though he's writing a positive appraisal of the CIA's long-term alliance with basically the entire papacy of Jean Paul II, um, he's writing as, as a good thing, right? Like, you know, we had to do this to, you know, beat the Soviets to win the Cold War. And John Paul II was one of these key figures to do that. He was a symbolic figure who helped bring down the wall. Um, but again, when you do this, you now have new masters. And so you, this is ex everything. This explains everything as to the direction the Vatican has gone up to Pope Francis now calling for the same things that Klaus calls for. We need uh, mm -hmm. that we need, uh, you know, uh, he calls it inclusive capitalism, right? All these things. Th this is the same people's agenda. <laughs> so, Roxy Dog is saying, why now does the Pope seem to be in such a rush to create a one world religion? Is there a timeline? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, you're not dealing with people who are stupid. You're dealing with people who are masters of bureaucracy and crowd management. I mean, if you think about it, the Vatican has been involved in the, the word propaganda itself. Propaganda comes from the old uh, Vatican idea of the Holy Office. And what the Holy Office did, the Inquisition, was they weren't just trying people for heresy. They were also involved in uh, creating and, and disseminating propaganda. So the, the Vatican has been involved in propaganda and <clears throat> crowd management for, you know, over a millennia on a geopolitical scale, uh, going all the way back to the creation of the papal states. So I think that um, they know and they 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 test and see how far they can go uh, with the creation of something like a new world religion. 
and they know they have to kind of gradually do it. So the Pope's not going to overnight say, oh, let's uh, you know shed all of our Catholic stuff and let's create a new world religion. They're going to do it very incrementally and they're going to roll things out very slowly like they just did where they rolled out what they called the uh, uh, Abu Dhabi uh, Islamic Jewish Christian Faith Center. So now all of these three world religions are now this new kind of new religion. Hope you're enjoying this podcast. There's a word from our sponsor, Rocket Money. The other day I had to cancel free Amazon Prime memberships. I had a personal on the UK, Amazon, US, Amazon company account, US Amazon, UK Amazon. Do you understand how hard it is to cancel these bloody things? That's why Rocket Money makes these things so much easier, formerly known as Truebill. The app shows all your subscriptions in one place and cancels what you don't want for you. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. Just like with me, with my four Amazon Prime memberships, you may find out you've been at least double charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, all you've got to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Thank you for supporting our sponsor, Rocket Money. Links in the description box. Cheers based around some sort of, you know, really generic ideas. But the key is that the Pope will be a a central figure in this new emerging global religion. And the global elites have been writing for over 100 years about the creation of a new global religion. All right, next question is from Jake Forder. How much of what we know about Aleister Crowley is credible? There's a really good book. Uh, and I done I did an interview with Dr. Richard Spence, who is an academic, <clears throat> and he wrote a book called uh, Alistair Crowley, Secret Agent 666. And so I think he does a lot of really good scholarly work in um, going back to figuring out the role that Alistair Crowley played in World War One as a uh, provocateur. He was actually a provocateur for the Allies at that time. <clears throat> and then he kind of had this loose relationship with British intelligence for many years afterwards. Um, so he, he wasn't a spy per se, but he would, they might call upon him to do these different things because he was <clears throat> really friendly to, uh, people like Dennis Wheatley and Maxwell Knight, uh, who were in the circles of Ian Fleming, even though Ian, Ian Fleming didn't ever meet Crowley. Uh, he, he was in the circles of a lot of uh, British intelligence people who use Crowley. So, um, I would say that the best appropriation from an academic standpoint would be Dr. Richard Spence's book, probably. Um, but as to the actual, you know, s- stories of Crowley in terms of uh, contacting demons and all that, I mean, we just have to take Crowley at his word. So it <laughs> depends on whether you find him to be credible or not. So, but he also talked about how uh, he he was, he would intentionally exaggerate his stories. So I don't know if we can, we can trust his accounts. <laughs> Transley wants to know if it was in the interests of the Vatican to have the Vietnamese war to spread Catholicism to a Buddhist country? This is, uh, <clears throat> there's quite a bit to this, and this ties into, into Gladio because the Vatican was concerned that um, communism might spread. So yeah, they were concerned. Um, they didn't initially want to have a war, but uh, the CIA, as part of all of this Cold War stuff, did talk the Vatican into supporting the CIA's operations there. And so, yes, they did. And Colonel Spellman, as I understand, was one of the key figures that was uh, sexually compromised. 
So a lot of the riders that I talk about, they'll, they'll kind of hint at that. And that's how the CIA works, right? They'll compromise these key um, prelates just like they will any other situation. And that's how they get them to go along with these, with these operations. So I think absolutely. If you read um, Douglas Valentine's book, Phoenix program, uh, he talks about the relationship of the CIA to the Vatican in terms of <clears throat> Vietnam. And I think that's probably correct. Well, there's tons of questions for Jay have come in. We are working our way through them. If you do have a question, put it in the chat or the comments, wherever you're watching this, we will <clears> get <throat> through to it. We've still got another 30 plus minutes. Horn blowing imp. Rupert Murdoch is a free Presbyterian Church of Scotland. Do you know what effect that has? Um, <clears throat> I think that a lot of those kinds of churches also were essentially co-opted. So this, this model that we're talking about of how they would infiltrate and utilize the Roman Catholic Church in the CIA's doctrinal warfare program, it's not just for the Roman Catholic Church. It's the exact same model of infiltration, co-opting, subversion. And, and mainly it's, it's, not, it's not even so much through uh, buying off, or excuse me, through uh, sexual compromise. That might happen with really important prelates or powerful people. Mainly it's just through money. So basically they'll buy off uh, different churches or seminaries or universities by just saying, well, we'll build your building. We'll give you a million dollars to university. But we say who's going to be uh, teaching who. We say who's the chair of the department. We say who gets this bishopric when we give you this million dollars. So that's that's how most of the uh, compromising and control happens. But again, you do have these uh, sexual blackmail situations at times. So I think that in the case of these Protestant churches or these European Protestant churches, they were essentially bought off by the exact same powers and interests a long time ago as well. And uh, in the Rockefeller's biography by Collier and Horowitz, they have entire chapters really just bragging about how they had co-opted most of America's Protestant churches, the, the mainline denominations I'm speaking of here, not like the really small kind of evangelical groups or something like that. The, the mainline Protestant denominations have been bought off by the Rockefeller family by their own bragging by the 20s and 30s. So the same would be the case for something like um, the Free Presbyterian Church of Scotland. I, and I don't even I don't know how serious Rupert Murdoch, Murdoch takes his religion. Well, the next question ties into something I was contemplating asking you, which is how the Vatican fits into religion in Russia. And this comment is from Tooth. They put the Uniat Church in Galicia to own and control Russia. Yeah, this is, <clears throat> um, Uniatism is a key uh, element to uh, Western intelligence operations and geopolitical power, particularly against Russia. And uh, what I mentioned a minute ago with the Ukraine is a great example of this. So in the Ukraine right now, what's going on is that they didn't just put a lot of money into <clears throat> dividing the country through the, the coup in 2014. There was also a lot of uh, agitation and division that was fostered through religious elements as well. So in Ukraine, you have uh, a lot of Orthodox people and a lot of Roman Catholic people. But the Roman Catholics there are not like Latin Western Roman Catholics. They're what are called uniates, which, which means Eastern Catholics. And this is... <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> people that are like Orthodox Christians, but they're, they're basically in union with the Pope. So basically they do everything like Orthodox do, but they submit to and give a, a, a fealty to the papacy. And that's why they became such an important uh, tool during the cold wars, because these are churches that would appeal to <clears throat> people or Christians in the East and particularly in Russia, who during the, the KGB period, the, the KGB had a lot of control over the Russian Orthodox church. 
they didn't completely control it, um, but they had a lot of influence and they had, they'd installed a lot of KGB bishops at that time. So you can see why Uniates or Eastern Catholics would be a key uh, tool to be used by the West and by the CIA, and they still are. Uh, and in fact, you can find um, people and, and even a former Jesuit who became Orthodox uh, uh, in the Ukraine discussing how the CIA had used and does use the Uniates precisely for what Tooth is talking about. So he's absolutely, I don't know that they control it, but what they do is they, they, uh, it's a form of soft power. They try to influence people to come back to the papacy and they try to um, push back and, and have a degree of ideological influence against Russia through uh, uni eight churches. Thank you for the super chat, Paulie. Can Jay confirm that Dutch Prince Bernard was once head of the P2 lodge at the time of JFK's death? Um, I wouldn't be surprised because we know that Prince Bernhard was uh, in the SS. And so the P2 lodges did recruit a lot of uh, former uh, former fascists. And that's who made up the, the majority of those uh, rosters. Very powerful prelates, very powerful geopolitical figures, black nobility <clears throat> who favored, uh, you know, access powers. So I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't know for sure if he was the head of, of one of those lodges. But I wouldn't be surprised because uh, there were there were P2 lodges even on NATO basis. <laughs> so uh, seems very plausible given, you know, his ideological bent. Right. Let's not repeat um, the middle of this question because it might trigger the algorithm. Let's just call it the RSC. Do you think the RSC has any credence the Pope has a per? Good question. I mean, it's very speculative. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. There's, there are a lot of, <clears throat> um, I mean, there's other kinds of secret societies and groups beyond the P2 Lodge. There are, as we said, uh, groups that are very into uh, ritual magic, Crowleyan types of stuff. There are, you know, satanic uh, cults and groups that are in the Vatican and have been there for a long time. So uh, very possible, but I don't have any direct uh, proof or evidence of that. Catch is wondering what Pope Benedict has done the last 10 years. Um, I think he was uh, forced to step down precisely due to the network of people that I'm talking about. And that doesn't mean, oh, well, then he was this hero good guy. No, I think he was compromised and, um, you know, he's a, a big level game player, just like all these people are. Um, but I think that he probably uh, didn't want things to go as radical and to change as, as much as they have. And so if if you don't go along with this, then what they'll do is they'll say, look, either you move out of the picture, we'll take you out, or we will release a giant new trove of blackmail and data and information that will further, you know, corrupt your institution. So I think he was forced to uh, to step down and he had a book published posthumously, which he said, you know, pu publish this after I, I, I'm gone. And that came out and that was about his, uh, about him describing this network and how they had basically corrupted and taken over all the seminaries. And a lot of it had to deal with sexual blackmail. So, uh, so that's what he's been up to. I mean, he was basically just forced out of his position by this power structure. Alexi wants to know, whether you know anything about Jimmy Page and Alistair Crowley? Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Page was a big fan of Crowley. Uh, he bought, didn't he buy Boleskine Manor, uh, you know, Crowley's old house on Loch Ness. 
And I think he <clears throat> appropriated a lot of the symbology from um, the uh, OTO or Thelema for a lot of the uh, artwork and imagery and, and, and the ethos of Led Zeppelin. Um, and I think Jimmy Page owns a large uh, occult bookstore. But beyond that, I don't know how serious he takes it or if he's, you know, if it's just like, you know, rock stars love the image of Crowley because it's like, you know, edgy and, you know, supposed to be dark. So I, I don't know how serious he takes it. Mr. Modi, what is your take on the Schofield Reference Bible? Yeah, interestingly, the Schofield Bible was printed and published by Oxford University, which is odd because Oxford University has nothing to do with this form of Protestant uh, Christianity which arose in England through the Plymouth Brethren um, who created what's called dispensationalism. And what dispensationalism did was that it had the ability to alter the entire landscape of Protestant evangelicalism to prepare for the establishment of the state of Israel. And that's precisely what its goal was. And so actually the the, uh, Rothschild family had a big role in putting money into and helping get the popularity of the Oxford Schofield Bible uh, uh, pushed in the United States and that was a key thing that helped change American Protestant attitudes towards Israel, towards uh, supporting the new, you know, the Balfour Declaration and all that kind of stuff. So that's exactly what the purpose of the Schofield Reference Bible was. Mary Poppins, Jacinda Adern was raised LDS. Are the LDS a part of the Vatican's payroll? No, I don't think they're on the Vatican payroll, but the LDS has for a long time had a really close relationship mm-hmm. to the CIA. So it's the other way around. Like the CIA is who, again, sort of aids, co-ops and, and, and infiltrates a lot of Western religious institutions. And, uh, you know, for example, a lot of Mormon missionaries are known to, you know, the bit recruit into the CIA. So when they do their Mormon missionary work, uh, they have to do that, I think, two years. Every, every, Mormon, every Mormon dude does two years of foreign missionary service. They're supposed to learn a foreign language. And all that. A lot of those people are recruited into doing CIA work. So it's the other way around. Tooth wants to know about the relationship between NATO and the Vatican. So NATO uh, is closely aligned with the Vatican precisely out of the uh, the Gladio operation. And so that's why I said, like, the P2 lodges that were established precisely for the recruitment and the training of uh, the stay-behind um, black ops networks and cells, they were uh, aided, and it was NATO that was doing this, basically. So the CIA was using NATO to train and arm and prepare a lot of these people and, and doing the, the black ops uh, and the, the false flag operations through, through NATO. So it, they're, they're tied at the hip. <clears throat> uh, so that's, that's the connection there is, is through. now I don't know that, that NATO right now is necessarily it's, it's basically the, this inner, the same people that tell Klaus Schwab what to do are the same people that tell Francis what to do. <laughs> so that's, that's how this, and those are the same people that run NATO. So that's how this works. Translee, what does Jay think the new one world religion will consist of? I think they've been testing and experimenting with different forms of it to see which one works the best and which one takes off. And so, for example, one of the key figures, ideologically speaking, in all of this is H.G. Wells. And he wrote a lesser known book called God, the Invisible King. And in that book, he says, you might think that because I'm a, a, a Marxist socialist, you know, one worlder that I believe in atheism. He's like, I don't, I believe in a form of Prometheanism or Luciferianism. And he says that maybe the future religion will be something like a blending of all the world religions. And he wrote that, in, I think the late 
1890s or maybe even the early 19, 19s. And the weird part about that book is that he's basically predicting the New Age movement. So the 60s counterculture, which produces the New Age movement, uh, is predicted or planned via um, H.G. Wells, who was in the circles of Blavatsky and the, and the Theosophists uh, way before the 1960s. So they were pushing what would become the New Age movement way back then. So I think they probably thought that would be the best um, possible thing for a world religion. Um, Aldous Huxley has a book called Perennial Philosophy, who's also in these same circles. And he thinks it would be some kind of syncretistic kind of uh, uh, one world religion where all the religions are blended together. But I also think that they're not married to that because if they can create something like uh, Chrislam or what um, Francis is pushing with his Abrahamic faith center of the three uh, monotheistic Abrahamic faiths as a new blended thing, they might go with that. So they, they'll go with whatever works and it could be uh, either of those two options. What about the dissenters to that one world religion? What will they do with them? I think that, um, I mean, this is just speculation on my part, but I think that <clears throat> if you dissent from that, the more that this gains power and gains adherence it'll be there'll be a lot of liberal and uh, liberal toleration at first but probably down the road that'll flip and it'll be you know if you go against this you're some sort of hateful bigot uh you know you're not going along with you know it'll be just as it'll be just as tied to the carbon tracking and and everything being traced that the world economic forum talks about (laughs) it'll be the exact same penalties like when the pagans were crushed in the beginning. Okay, so Fred wants to know, did Jay do a series on Trivium? So I teach a uh, history of Western philosophy course over at uh, Grand Theft World with Richard Grove, and they have a bunch of courses on the Trivium over there, but I didn't teach on the Trivium. I just taught on the history of Western philosophy, so I went from uh, the pre-Socratics and Plato and Aristotle and then all the way up to... um, Kant and Hume and Nietzsche so no I didn't teach on the trivium what is the trivium so that's just the uh, classic method of pedagogy so grammar logic rhetoric is the trivium and then you have the quadrivium which builds on that so it's just like basically medieval classical pedagogy is all it is Verity is wondering what LDS stands for latter-day saints Verity yeah so this is the Mormon religion yeah Catchy wants to know if you've got any juicy anecdotes about Pope Francis. Yeah, Francis, I think, was a participant in uh, the CIA's operations uh, in in Latin America through what they called Operation Condor. Uh, so there's really good sections in the Paul Williams book on uh, Gladio. And by the way, the, the, I think this book is free on Audible if you don't if you want to hear the, the audio of it. <clears throat> um, and so basically, they uh, the the CIA. We, you've probably heard of the School of Americas and how, you know, Reagan, Iran-Contra, right? They set up these, uh, basically the death squads uh, to root out the Soviet communist influences in Latin and South America. But they were very brutal. And uh, Francis participated in that by allowing and fostering that um, when he was archbishop. And then um, I think as a Jesuit, uh, that, you know, I would 100% in my mind, you know, align him with people like John Courtney Murray and the CIA. So I'm not saying that Francis is a CIA operative. I'm saying that he knows these power structures. He knows how this all works. And he's essentially an, uh, an asset of these, these people. So 
those are the most juicy anecdotes about Francis. Um, I think he's been accused of war crimes for allowing these death squads and whatnot in his, in his jurisdictions. But I mean, these are people that are above the law, right? You can't prosecute these kinds of people. But God says thou shalt not kill. How does he reconcile that at nights? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that the, there's a certain level of power that people attain and they realize, okay, so actually the world is pretty dark in terms of how it operates. And so in their minds, it's just, just the way that it is. And so they probably, they don't, they're not worried about hypocrisy or contradictions. When we wake up in the morning, we get out of bed and we start our day with Koro Snacks. Koro is a healthy snacks brand focusing on bringing additive-free natural ingredients to their customers with fair prices in bulk packaging. They have everything from nut butters to free from baking ingredients to cooking essentials and, of course, the snacks. doesn't get healthier than this because all those other snacks have refined sugars, colors, preservatives, and additives. Koro's snacks have none of that. I oh, can't wait. So I'm going to go for the bio energy ball today. Ooh, Salted pistachio. I've got a little uh, chocolate bar here, I think. Oh, the coconut chocolate bar. Mmm. Mm. Oh, that's good. Want to try it? Ooh. <laughs> so what makes Coro special in comparison to others? Coro avoids using sulfur, refined sugars, preservatives, colours and other additives. For a 5% discount on Coro's products, use the code TRUECRIME with no space in between true and crime. The link to Coro's online shop is in the description box on YouTube. Thanks for supporting our sponsor. Karen wants to know what Jay thinks is the ultimate end game. Well, I think for Francis or any of those individual people, like I said, like they're just caught up. They just are part of a giant system that was there before they existed and will probably continue to exist. Um, but the ultimate end game is exactly what we read in books like John Col Dr. John Coleman's Committee of 300, where it's we're going to create a world government. Uh, and we're going to massively depopulate the population. And by 2040, 2050, we'll have a complete Skynet system in, in, in place. So that's the ultimate goal. And Francis just plays a role in that as being part of this <clears throat> overall plan for the creation of a world government. A world government needs a world religion to go along with it. So I think that's the role that, that Roman, the Roman Catholic Church will play in that. Thomas Dave. I left the Mormon church two years ago. I was totally deceived. Where can I find more info on the connection of the CIA and the church? In fact, the current Mormon prophet visited the Vatican. Um, that's a good question. I, this just kind of comes up. I'm not aware of a specific single book that deals with the history of intelligence agencies and the Mormons. Um, there's a book uh, by Webster Tarpley from a long time ago that talks about it. I'm not promoting Webster Tarpley, but he wrote a book called Synthetic Terror that deals with some of that. Um, <clears throat> you can look at the history of uh, I think Robert Mayhew is one of these key figures that ties the CIA into Mormons. Um, anyway, but yeah, I don't know of a specific book just on that topic off the top of my head. Fred wants to know what was the Blackfires Bridge execution sacrifice about? 
Yeah, so Roberto Calvi was uh, connect, <clears throat> connected to these P2 lodges and <clears throat> the, the Banco D'Ambrosio collapsed. So basically what happened was a lot of these people are, they're not just funneling money to, you know, black ops and to train, you know, stay, NATO stay behind units. They're also th- stealing it. <laughs> so so uh, the Michelle Sindona and Licio Gelli and uh, Roberto Calvi network here had actually collapsed the Italian economy. So they basically mm-hmm. took all the pension funds and all this money that was put into various accounts that was shared with the Vatican Bank. Uh, and a lot of it they stole. Billions of dollars were stolen. Because what they were doing was they were taking this money and betting in various markets with other people's money. And then if they were successful in their uh, trades, they would put that in their account. But if there were losses, they would put those losses in the pensioners accounts. And this ended up actually at one point collapsing the uh, the Italian economy in, uh, I think, 1980, 81. And it came out that this was a big uh, organized crime scandal. And uh, that that led to certain people meeting their end, such as him being sacrificed and hanging under the Black Friars Bridge because, you know, basically you have to get rid of the loose ends and the people that might, that might squeal. So that's why he was killed because he was one of the key uh, figures running the Banco D'Ambrosio. So was the mafia involved in that then? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the P2 lodges are recruitments, run by mafia figures so basically sicilian mafia is who cooked up this idea for using p2 lodges with um the cia so basically lucky luciano and various like michelle sindona um are who consulted with the cia to, to run all this next is from truth hurts so what's the duties of the black pope and how much control does he have over the vatican or does he Thank you for your knowledge, boss man. So the Black Pope is just the head of the Jesuit order. Um, and some people have speculated that for you know a long time, the Black Pope is the real Pope and the guy in Rome is not the real Pope. Um, I don't necessarily think that's the case, but I do think that it is certainly the case that the, the Jesuit order has, has attained a lot of power and a lot of influence to function kind of like its own um, intelligence agency, its own apparatus. So I wouldn't necessarily say that they've always controlled the Vatican, but there was this kind of unwritten rule that Jesuits shouldn't be popes because of this. So I think Bergoglio is, is pretty wild because, you know, he's the first Jesuit pope. And that to me suggests that there's, that's, that's an open sign of what we call institutional capture that other entities, other, uh, power groups, power blocks have completely captured this institution, the Roman Catholic Church. Viewers, we are working our way through your questions. There's only about 10, 12 minutes left. Please keep them coming. You know, this is some of the most questions I've ever seen, which is a credit to Jay's expertise on this stuff. Um, Tooth wants to know about Michael Aquino. Yeah, so Michael Aquino was the Army's uh, psychological warfare. He was a colonel, uh, He and he <clears throat> kind of wrote the 80s, 90s doctrine of the Army's psychological warfare program. There's a famous essay I recommend reading called From Mind War to Psy War. And Aquino was a uh, hardcore Satanist who split from Anton LaVey's kind of more uh, Hollywood-style Church of Satan to create his own more serious satanic group called the temple of set and the temple of set um 
again, it's a lot more serious in there. They would call themselves, I think, theistic Satanists. In other words, Church of Satan calls itself kind of atheistic, right? So they don't openly believe in an actual Satan, but the Temple of Set, it takes it more seriously. They profess to believe in, in an actual Satan. So um, Michael Aquino wrote a lot of books where he would apply um, sorcery, black magic. He has a book on uh, Egyptian sorcery and how that, that applies to psychological warfare. So he, he was, he did seriously take <laughs> principles of black magic and sorcery and apply it to the army's, uh, the U S army's official psychological warfare doctrine. And he, he's also allegedly involved in a lot of the MK ultra monarch stuff. So certain witnesses, uh, involved in the Franklin cover up, like Johnny, uh, not, not Johnny gosh. Um, forget the guy's name, but um, the, the, one of the young guys that was involved in uh, the Franklin cover-up stuff, he alleged he, on, on deposit in depositions that Aquino had abused him and had, had used him in certain things. Um, and it, there was a huge case at the uh, uh, Presidio that Aquino had been involved in child abuse, but they were, I don't think he was ever convicted. They just kind of shut it down. So he kind of died with a lot of infamy around his name, but he was never actually convicted. Um, but I would say it's probably very likely at least that he was involved in MKL. He did do interviews talking about how he, he did a lot of research and, and did a lot of work in MKUltra. So probably. Katya wants to know the story of the girl murdered in the Vatican. I imagine there's been quite a few over the years. Yeah, actually, I, uh, my wife was just talking about this documentary. I haven't watched it yet, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you know, when you're talking about all these kinds of black market, black ops stuff, you're talking about you know, human trafficking as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it didn't relate to that or perhaps even ritual murder. I mean, a lot of, a lot of Vatican prelates and people from that system have for many years talked about, you know, satanic cults within the Vatican. I mean, there's a famous book by, I don't, I don't think this guy's a good guy. He's, he's part of this system. Malachi Martin, uh, in keys of this blood, he talks about satanic networks within the Vatican. So, that would be my guess as to what's going on in some of these cases. We're getting asked about the role of technology in the plans of the NWO and the Vatican. Um, I mean, I think Francis just generally speaking is pretty much on board with uh, most of what the world economic forum talks about. So uh, he's given these talks and these speeches where he talks about a new 10 commandments of climate. So my guess would be that he's probably going to support uh, the World Economic Forum's carbon rationing, carbon tracing, tracking, and all of that as well, uh, because the Vatican was definitely on board with the stabbies in the last three years. And a big part of the last three years was, you know, I'm trying to think of the right words to get around, you know, the algorithm words. Right? So, you know what I'm talking about, stabbies and, and being tracked and traced, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think Francis will be on board with that, would be my guess. Okay, here's a long one from Horn Blowing Imp. Any views on Dan Green's Da Vinci Code on Lincoln Cathedral holding Mary Magdalena's headless body? Why do the church refuse to expose a questionable tomb? Uh, I don't know specifically about this uh, tomb itself, but I do know a good bit about um, Dan Brown and the Da Vinci Code and all that. And I think that, so I don't believe Dan Brown is very credible. I think he's just kind of a pop author 
However, uh, there's a degree of truth to what he writes about in terms of the Renaissance papacy becoming infatuated with magic. Uh, so there's a really good book on this by <clears throat> Hoffman. It's called Occult Renaissance Church of Rome. And he basically just surveys the entire Renaissance period of the Roman Catholic Church. And that's kind of where the papacy really started getting into more esoteric stuff. They would foster and print a lot of occult books at that time period. They were getting into the writings of uh, occultists like uh, Cornelius Agrippa, um, <clears throat> Pico della Mirandola. A lot of the Medicis and those those people were really into Renaissance magic. So um, I, th- so there's a degree of truth to that, where when you get people like Bernini and these this ver- these various artists who are constructing a lot of you know uh, Roman Vatican artwork, they do encode hermetic ideas there um, in their works. But I don't think that the overall story is Dan Brown's theory that Jesus is married to Mary Magdalene and that there's this you know secret woman bloodline or something. I think that's a bunch of baloney. <laughs> Are you not afraid, Jay, of some type of repercussion from the Vatican? You are exposing the truth, and that cannot happen. How are you keeping yourself safe? Um, the Vatican itself? Not really. I mean, I think the Vatican is doing a great job of uh, destroying themselves. So, I mean, the, 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 if you look at the attendance, the uh, seminary attendance, monastic attendance, I mean, the Roman Catholic world is basically in the West just collapsing. So, I mean, they've done a the they've done a stellar job of undercutting themselves, and typically, um, no, I think that most of this most of this stuff is already out in the mainstream anyway. So, like, I'm not I'm not saying anything that isn't already out in public information. You know what I mean? So, I think that's I don't really I'm not really worried about that now. Seago, does Jay see a future where humanity overcomes religious? and government-based power dominance and finds a more peaceful, society-driven way of life. I don't think that humans will ever completely get rid of religion because I think we just fundamentally have a religious drive within us. So I don't know if that's ever going to occur. But, I mean, maybe after all of this stuff collapses, we can learn our lesson and not fall into these same traps of thinking that we have to construct a giant world government that enslaves everybody. I mean, that's just psychopathic and psychotic so maybe we can learn our lesson this time just over five minutes viewers if you want to get your questions in that's just five minutes left post your questions now or forever hold thy tongues here's one from mary poppins can jay shed any more light on black rock and the vatican and the cia that's a good question. I'm not sure about a direct relationship between BlackRock and the Vatican, but obviously I think BlackRock, Vanguard are uh, essentially in the background of Klaus and the, the carbon rationing. And the ES- so the ESG and all that stuff will tie directly into the austerity measures and the, uh, you know, the, the climate lockdowns that Klaus and the World Economic Forum are pushing. And so my assumption would be that the Vatican will just follow in lockstep because it's the same power structure that, that, you know, I mean, BlackRock is really high up there on this, this uh, pyramid. And so they would probably, they're all going to work in lockstep is what I'm trying to say. Matt, who's higher up on the pyramid, Vatican, Royal family or banks? That's a good question because, uh, it's hard to say because if you think about the Vatican, you know, there's a lot of one of the reasons that they chose to use the Vatican Bank for Gladio is because it's one of the most secretive banks in the world. In the world, 
So it's more secretive even than U.S. banks. And it's a perfect um, shell or cutout for money laundering and black operations. That's why they chose to use it, because it has diplomatic immunity. It's its own city state, right? It's like D.C. or the city of London, right? The Vatican City is the same way. So I think that it's hard to know because we don't know exactly the holdings. We And how can you value, you know, St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome? Like what, like what would that be worth, right? So it's really hard to value in terms of, uh, you know, exactly how much all that's worth uh so the royal family obviously have a lot of power um the elite financial infrastructure obviously they have a lot of power so i think they all just work in lockstep lockstep together and i don't know who's higher up they're, they're all up there so activated pineal wants to know what's under the vatican i imagine there's got to be some tunnels because of all of the wars and stuff over the years well, there are catacombs. So Rome is built on a lot of catacombs. And so, yeah, I, I think directly under the Vatican is the catacombs. And you can go down there. My, my wife's been there. It's just basically a lot of uh, bodies of martyrs that were people that were martyred in the first three centuries. Um, but whether there's more to that in terms of like <laughs> underground secret satanic chapels, I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised. James, is The Godfather 3 a realistic movie of what is going on with the Vatican? Yeah, absolutely. actually it is. Um, when when they wrote that, they were writing exactly about what's going on in Operation Gladio. And if you pay attention, they actually mentioned P2 in the screenplay. Um, it actually comes up, and that's who's responsible for, in Godfather 3, the assassination of John Paul I. And uh, they the same, same power structure kills uh michael's daughter i think and that michael's daughter gets shot at the end yeah hr wants to know whether the vatican is more evil than christian uh i would say so i think basically the vatican is is a um global organized crime institution fred what does jay think of the rumor about a magical device that the vatican <laughs> has to see any event in the past <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it sounds like it make for a, a great Dan Brown novel, but no, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Karen, are they really concerned about the environment or is it a deception? No, it's surveillance. No, it's just for control. Nothing to do with the environment. I mean, if they care about the environment, they wouldn't engage in genetic modification. They wouldn't do geoengineering, right? Just a comment here. They don't care about the environment. A good example is the toxic plume from Ohio train derailment. Exactly. It wasn't an accident. Yeah. Okay, let's see if there's anything left. Well, we're almost completely caught up. Jeremy's asked, um, do you think that the chemical spill derailment will lead to climate lockdown? Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, um, but nothing would surprise me. Uh, I mean, I think they're going to have to have some excuse to try to roll out climate lockdowns, but, it, you know, the... the Lockdowns and all that was really unpopular. So I don't know how they're going to get that through without some kind of big event. You know, Gil Bates was talking about, oh, we think we're going to have the next one. The next one's going to be a lot worse. <laughs> get ready. So, Trantily, can Jay explain to everyone what a Concordat is, please? Uh, that would be just a like a compact or a, 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 an agreement between powers. I don't know what. What else? What what they're looking at? What they're looking? What they're want? What they're wanting with that? Like a an agreement between two states? I mean, 
I'm not sure about this one. Is Fat Fingers Charles III Moloch and all hail to the king? Uh, well, I, I think Moloch is an ancient human sacrifice deity, so I don't think that Charles is a human. I mean, he might believe in Moloch, but I don't think he is Moloch. <laughs> wow, we have just got to the limits of the time for you, Jay, and we've answered every single question. Huge thank you to the viewers for putting all those questions up there. Jay had so he's got so much knowledge he was able to answer everything. So that was absolutely phenomenal. Well, three or four, I don't know. But let's let's let's, um, can you tell everyone, Jay, you know, where they can find you and support you and subscribe to what you're doing before we go over to our war subject? Yeah, my channel is uh, just my name, Jay Dyer. I cover all this kind of stuff as well as you know, philosophy, geopolitics, debates, movie reviews, movie analysis. My website's jaysanalysis.com, and uh, you can find me on Rockfin at Jay Dyer as well. All of Jay's links are in the description box below this video. So please go down to the description box and support Jay's work. And huge thank you for joining us for an hour, brother. You take care, my friend. You too. Thanks, Sean. Bye. All right. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>